Hi, I'm Melinda Cacera, your indie fantasy author, and welcome back to Fantasy Lauren Moore. And today we have Laura Nelson, who's joining me to talk about her book, The Heir of Spartan. So let's get into it. And let's find out why she likes to name things with weird names. <laughs> Since that was mentioned uh, right before we started the <laughs> intro. <laughs> so um, welcome, Laura. Thank you. This is my first podcast that I've ever been on, so... Hopefully I'm not too weird. Uh, but yeah, so Air Spartan um, is my first my first official novel that I wrote and published. And it is about a 17-year-old girl who lives in Fargo, North Dakota. And she is uh, not, she doesn't have a great home life. She's not in the greatest situation. She lives with her mother, her mother's boyfriend, and oddly enough, her best friend. Um, and the way that she kind of escapes her not so great life is by playing video games with her best friend and her best friend and her, they love these games. And then one day as they're playing them, a freak accident happens. I'm not going to say what the freak accident is, but a freak accident happens. And the next thing they know, they are in the real world of Loishara. It's not a video game. It's an actual fantasy world. And when Ina, the main character, gets there. Um, she finds out that her long-lost father was actually a ruler um, in this land, and he recently died. And so she's his heir, and she has to go up against people who want his title. And there's a whole bunch of... A, not as much political intrigue as further in the series, but there's a you start to get some political intrigue in the first book as she's having to fight for this title and also figure out whether or not this place, this fantasy world is actually a place she can call home, whether or not it's as awesome as she made it out to be in her head. And it's really fun. There's lots of dragons. She can see dead people, um, well ghosts, and uh, there's magic and a little bit of slow burn romance because I can't live without having just a little, little bit of that. So yeah. It's a fun YA fantasy, portal fantasy, um, that I, you know, it's a fun way to escape. So that's, that's my, that's my pitch. That's my <laughs> no, it sounds awesome. So like, let's get into it. Let's hear an excerpt. Let's hear the characters in their own words. Um, where are you dropping us in? Are you taking us into the first chapter or somewhere else? So I am dropping, this is, uh, the beginning of the second chapter, this is when she wakes up in the fantasy world and uh, she gets to have her, uh, I don't say wake up call, but she's like, what, where am I? What's going on? <laughs> so with that, I'll start. I imagine that can be quite I jarring. <laughs> I woke up to my face in a warm, fleshy, horizontal groove and my arms stretched out above my head. It throbbed and my wrists were bound together as I tried to pull them apart. Something rough was in my mouth and I gagged on it as I tried to move. What the hell was going on? Shh, hold on a minute. Uncle, will you help me? A man's voice was quiet above me as I froze and got shifted around on his lap. I'm face down in someone's lap. Why was I in someone's lap? And why was I tied up? The gag in my mouth loosened as the two men untied it. They pushed me into a sitting position where I could see what was going on. I whimpered as I surveyed my surroundings. Five men in bloodied armor stared at me wide-eyed as we sat facing each other on rough wooden boards inside a cold metal cage. A metal cage that was moving. A wagon. 
Outside the cage, two men sat with their backs to us, urging a couple of horses in front up the incline of the mountain that towered above us on one side and keeping them from slipping off the path and into the valley on the other side. In front of me, my hands were tied, and instead of my normal winter gear, I wore a thick but worn and faded jacket over my torso and arms. My jeans were stiff and cold, barely keeping the wind from chilling me further. The young man, whose lap I'd been face down in, studied me for a moment and whispered, What's your name? His wrists were still bound, and I wondered how he'd been able to get my gag off. He seemed familiar, but I couldn't remember from where. A strange sense of safety and trust emanated from him as he sat there. His gaze wasn't uncomfortable or leering, and I got the impression he was just as curious about me as I was about him. He was built burly, like a wrestler or a football player, seemingly unfazed by the bitter cold weather around us, with long brown hair tied in the back. He, was also, he also had neatly trimmed facial hair, where most of the guys I knew were clean-shaven. Either way, it was a good look on him, and I bit the inside of my lip to keep from smiling. Now was not the time to go soft over an attractive stranger. Instead, I focused on my surroundings and on his question. Both my curiosity and nervousness grew as I tried to figure out what had happened. Ina, I leaned back, but that made me lean into another man on my right. He grumbled and glared at me out of the one eye that wasn't bruised and swollen shut. I stiffened up back into my sitting position, trying to suppress or at least hide the panic that swelled up inside of me. This scene was uncomfortably familiar, despite the young man in front of me, but I couldn't figure out why. You know what? The uncle of the young man also spoke in a soft tone, gesturing to the two cart drivers in front of us with his bound hands. Is that your full name? No. I kept my voice quiet as well. I, it's just what I go by. Why do you want to know my full name? The younger man's uncle replied, you look an awful lot like a dear friend of ours. He always talked about having a daughter, but most of us thought it was just a story. Then you show up. I stared at the old man, trying to gauge his intentions. I hated giving out my full name. Maya Ingmar Stanung. It's a weird name, I know. The uncle grinned, revealing a mouthful of crooked teeth. No, it's a fine name, and it means our friend wasn't a liar. He turned to the young man sitting next to me. Following his gaze, I saw the young man grinning at me. So you're the new thing of Spartan, he said. No. My heart stopped for a moment as I stared at him. This wasn't real. This had to be a dream. I was dreaming about Loi Shara again. That was it. I couldn't be inside a video game. I tried to remember what brought me here. Nothing. My last memory was being in my room with Maddie. Maddie? Where the hell was Maddie? Where the hell was I? There's laughter behind me. I turned to see a dark-haired man with a thick, bushy beard smirking at me, just like my mother. The sides of his head were shaven, but the top was braided or matted with two bobble decorated strands framing his bloodied and scarred face. His stare unnerved me. I think you may have terrified her, Haldrick. The young man whose lap I'd woken up in, Haldrick, glared at the man as I stared, as I glanced between the two. She'll be fine, Gustav. Gustav's smirk turned into a scowl. It won't matter. We're all dead anyway, or we will be soon. I turned back to Haldrick in alarm. He shook his head. We can still call on the dragons. Looking back to see his reaction, it surprised me to see Gustav's expression darken. There's only five of us here, and her. He growled and gestured at me. She's not even a real thane. Not yet, anyway. If she is Ingmar's heir, that is. Haldrick's uncle cleared his throat and leaned forward to stare unblinkingly at Gustav. We don't need all the thanes to call for a dragon's aid. It's just easier that way. I'm surprised you don't clamor for rescue. Unless you're expecting something else? 
Gustav scowled but said nothing, instead turning his attention to the road behind us. The man behind me groaned again. What are the chances we'll survive this, Haldric? They slaughtered almost all of my men today. And if the High King is dead... Haldric turned back to me. Are you willing to help me? He gestured to the rest of the group. Us? Summon a dragon? I have no idea what to do. My voice came out sounding smaller than even I expected. You just have to get the soldiers' attention once we stop. How you do it, I don't care. I didn't want to die, not in my actual life or in this video game dream world, so I nodded. Haldric focused on the others and took a deep breath. You all still with me? Three of the men bowed their heads in agreement, and after a moment, Gustav huffed and bobbed his head as well. The caged wagon bumped along a rocky road, making a bit of straw fall out. I crinkled my nose at the pungent smell around me, wondering if it came from the men or something else. The lands below us were snowy, barren, and rocky, while pine trees towered from the side of the mountain above us, just like a real-life version of Loishara. I tried to find a familiar landmark from the games. No luck. Helder's conversation with me played out almost identical to the new game's introduction. I twisted around again to see a small valley beneath us. Smoke rose from it, but that wasn't necessarily a good sign. A village might be down there with people tending to their everyday lives, or it could be brain. The Bloodnar won't make this easy on us, will they? I turned around to see Haldric leaning towards me. He shifted so his pant leg and mine touched. Much to my surprise, he was still warm despite the weather. Am I really in Loishara? I whispered. I still believe this was a dream, but it felt different. I never felt cold or other physical sensations in my dreams. Your father told you of this place before he returned here? I shook my head. No, my friend Maddie, her father made told her stories about Loishara and its history. She'd, she'd share them with me, so I'm not sure if this is a dream, because this is the type of dream I would have. Haldric nodded. I don't believe this is a dream. This world seems real to me. It seemed real to me too, almost too real. I had wished for Loishara to be real, but I hadn't expected to fall into the game scenario. I closed my eyes and tried to imagine the rope around my wrists disappearing. Then I pulled my wrists apart. Nothing. What are you trying to do? I'm an idiot. Sometimes, sometimes I can manipulate my dreams. I figured that if this was a dream, I could make the ropes disappear. Haldric laughed. I wish it was that easy. I stared at the rope around my wrist. This wasn't a dream. The thought hit me hard and my throat tightened as I squeaked out. Are we going to die? Not if I can help it. He hesitated. But they've already killed the High King and his family, including all the Aethlings, his heirs. And he paused as he looked up at me from his hands. If they execute us Thanes, Loishara won't have anyone to protect it, save the dragons. Dragons? I turned to him as the thought sunk in. Like real, fire-breathing, screeching dragons. I thought back to my dream and the games. Haldric frowned. Do they not have dragons in... He faced his uncle. Keldon, where did my father and Ingmar go again? Someplace far to go? In the north? The uncle nodded. That's what your father said before he left. A snowy flat place is what Ingmar reported when he came back. Though your father never went to far to go. Ingmar said he went west to a sea castle. I narrowed my, hand, my eyes in confusion. Far to go? Haldric's uncle continued. It's a city in your land, I suppose. Your father, Ingmar, told us it was in the ancient land of the Dagoda. Skilled warriors, horsemen and archers, but foreigners wielding powerful weapons ran them out. He sighed, the wrinkles around his eyes making him look ancient. 
much like the Blood are doing here. I gasped when I, once I realized what they were talking about. It's not far to go. It's Fargo, North Dakota, where I was born and raised. But there aren't any sea castles near us. North Dakota is landlocked. The Dakota Sioux were fierce warriors, but yeah, foreigners took over. I didn't mention that the foreigners resembled people from Loishara more than not. Haldrick sighed. It's too bad you don't know where the sea castle is. If you did, I'd go there and see what the allure was, to make my father abandon his people and spend his last years there. His uncle shook his head. Don't dwell on the past, Haldrick. Your father was not happy here, not after your mother's death, even with the dragons at his side. Haldrick leaned, against, leaned back against the bars of the wagon and exhaled. His breath materialized as soon as it hit the surrounding air. I suppose you're right, not that it matters now. He turned his head as a small camp came into view. The wind whipped the bright colored flags atop the tents. I could make out the image of a garish but familiar red and yellow sun on each one. A Bloodnar war camp. The ruthless bad guys from the games were now real. My chest tightened and my stomach churned as I wondered whether they were as brutal in the game as the game made them out to be. You ready? I hesitated to answer. I wasn't a warrior, but this was real. I wouldn't respawn or wake up if I died here. I... I guess. Haldrick smiled grimly. Just keep the soldiers' attention. Fight them, swear at them, whatever. We'll take care of the rest. As soon as the cart stopped, my panic threatened to overwhelm me as my heart raced and I grew lightheaded, trying to think of what to do once they dragged me out of the cart. How would I cause a distraction? Was I going to make things worse? I struggled to push away the looming threat of death and failure as two of the soldiers chuckled at me crudely and others removed the men from the wagon. They weren't from my world, but the gestures were similar enough. As I lurched off the cart, one soldier grabbed my arm and breast. It still ached from where Robert had hit, last hit me a few days prior to all of this, and the indignation rose inside my chest. Pardon me, pretty little thing. The soldier chuckled and grabbed my chin, pulling my face too close for comfort. He sounded like Robert, and my insides curled up with anger. Without thinking, I pulled back and jabbed him in the throat with my elbow. Don't touch me like that. My heart started to racing as he tumbled backwards. Everyone's attention focused on me as I struggled to pull away. I hated being the center of attention, but this was me causing a scene. Another soldier took me by the arm and squeezed my butt with his free hand, causing me to gasp in pain. Touch you like what? All you Loi Sharns, you whores. Spread them high, spread them wide. His friends laughed harder. I twisted around and stepped back before swinging my hands at him. He dodged them and smirked, entertained by my antics. My fury at him and the fact that I was in a very uncomfortable situation fueled me. Shut up. I kicked him in the stomach and wobbled back. I wasn't strong enough to knock him down, but he stumbled back a few paces and into a fellow soldier. You filthy wench. He lunged at me and I stepped aside, raising my arms again and clipping him in the chin. He dropped to his backside as someone else seized me and twisted me around to face him. Egged on by the adrenaline coursing through my body and my ability to hold my own against these soldiers, I spat on the next man without a second thought. And as I stared at him, though, his attire gave away his position as a leader among the Bloodnar soldiers, and I froze. Enough. Spit dribbled down his nose and face as the man's grasp on my arm tightened until it was painful. You can be the first to perish. I plan to give that honor to your friend Dragon Breath, but I'll be taking all of your heads to my king myself anyway, so you can die first. He kicked me with the flat of his boot, and I stumbled to my knees, next to a low square stone stained dark with dried blood. A nearby soldier yanked me around, arranging my head on the stone so that my neck was in the middle, facing the other things. A humming so sound started from where they stood. I writhed in vain 
as a soldier pressed my head again into the stone harder. Hot tears rolled down across my face, and I hoped I, that I had bought Haldrick enough time. A, gra- a hand grasped my head beneath my jawbone, pressing on old bruises my mother had given me, and pulling it up to reveal my neck. The soldier behind me rasped out with a deep, gravelly voice. Looks like we weren't the only ones after your throat. I froze as I saw the large, muscular executioner walk out from a nearby tent, surveying us prisoners. A moment passed before he checked his blade. He shifted to me, grinning with a mouth near void of teeth, and walked up behind me and out of my sight. My gut churned with fear as soon as I lost sight of him. I'm going to die. My mind went blind with panic as I jerked against the soldier's grasp again, and my sight blurred with tears. Then the thames began to chant. It was a song I knew, a plea to Tenelith. The soldiers began murmuring, grabbing for their swords. The thanes ignored them. Even the soldier holding my head loosened his grip. Pulled in by the sound, I started singing along, keeping in tune with them and speaking the words as the song grew louder and louder. Silence! Silence the men! The commander pulled out his blade and pointed it at Haldric's throat. Both the soldier holding me and the executioner ran towards the thanes. Then the first screech came. Our song finished and I heard Haldric's voice above the ensuing fray. Cover your ears, Zena. With no one holding me to the stone, I twisted off of it and onto my back. I was faster now than I was in the game, but but despite plugging my ears as best I could, I heard a muffled but louder screech as a massive, familiar-looking dragon flew overhead. I watched as it took a breath above us and I braced for for the next screech. The ground shook from the sound as I shut my eyes, curling up as tight as I could in silence before a feminine voice spoke. Welcome home, little one. The surrounding noises returned, this time including screaming and gurgling. I fought the urge to heave from the vibrations of the screeching and held my breath until everything was silent. Silent except for the plodding of feet in my direction. Keep your eyes closed, Dina. Haldrick sounded calmer now, but I did as he said, until he stood me up and started slicing the ropes from my wrists. I opened one eye to catch him grinning. Hearing a a dragon's war cry can be a life-altering experience. How did you recognize the summoning song? I stared at the surrounding scene, just now seeing the carnage. All of the blood gnar lay dead, despite no outward injuries, except for blood dripping from various orifices. However, the air above their bodies shimmered unnaturally. The urge to vomit came quick and violent. Haldrick turned me to the side as I began dry heaving. I was shaking and weak by the time it stopped told you to keep your eyes closed. His voice was soft, his words more of a statement of fact than chastisement. He guided me to where the other men stood, cutting the ropes off of each other's wrists. Haldrick's uncle smiled at me. You are your father's daughter, for sure, and you sing the summoning song perfectly. Did your father teach it to you as a child? I believe you singing it brought the dragon to our aid more quickly. I groaned as I tried to keep my balance, not having the energy to explain the real reason I could sing the song. Haldrick tightened his arm around my shoulders and said, I need to find Rimfax and determine if any of the horses here are worth taking. He steered me over to another young man who had gathered up six agitated horses, trying to soothe them. Once he had calmed them enough, he turned to us and smiled. We're lucky. These are war horses, and good ones too. They were just jittery. Rimfax shrugged. Any animal would be around dragons, but we'll get home without delay. He then cocked his head and stared as if gauging me before glancing back at Haldrick. Does she know how to ride? I shook my head and Haldrick replied, even if she could, I think she'll need a hot meal and some riding 
and some rest before writing. Today's been eventful for her. It's been memorable for all of us. Primfrax grabbed the reins of two of the stallions, guiding them over to Haldric, who tied one to another. Why weren't the horses affected by the dragon's war cry? Despite still feeling weak, my curiosity prevailed. Crimfrax grinned. Legend has it that the horses and dragons are related. So while they get jittery, they have no ill effects from dragons. He nuzzled one horse and it seemed to return the sentiment, which makes me happy. I can't bear to see horses suffer. They're smart animals, you know. Haldric put his hand on my shoulder and I let him help me up onto one of the horses. He turned to Crimfrax and said, thank you, cousin. Your gift with horses has always been an asset. Crimfax shrugged again and said, you could say the same for your gift. Either way, are you two headed back to Andratter? Or... Heldrick shook his head as he got up on the horse behind me and wrapped a large blanket around the two of us. Svartan, Ina needs to visit her Thane land sooner rather than later. I twisted around wide-eyed as Heldrick's cousin gawked at us and then turned to him. So the rumors are tr- were true? Heldrick nodded. Yes. And now it's time for Ina to take her father's place. So that was the snippet. Oh, wow. That was a lot happened. <laughs> wow. So the men who were also in there, they were like men from like, I guess, who served her father or. Well, they that... were other yeah. things. So like her father's peers. Oh, OK. So, OK. I wasn't I have heard the word thing, but I like only vaguely remember like what it's what it what it actually means. <laughs> it's it's an old Anglo-Saxon word. Well, this is another fun thing that I do and, and kind of ties into why I have uh, really unique uh, place names and stuff. Um, I tend to dive deep into like old languages, whether it's Anglo-Saxon, Old Norse, Latin, all that kind of stuff and dive into um, the really nitty gritty nuancey stuff. And so a thing like in our world was just like a... Um, ruler of a local area and so i took that and put that in my world as uh sort of the ruler of a um i'm trying to think of well a thane land um loishara is has 12 thane lands and the ruler of loishara is the high king and then below him is 12 other rulers for their individual areas um I think in another book later on in the series, um, uh, Ina is talking to another character and is talking about how there's 50 states in the US. And the person's like, wait, there's 50 Thane lands. How do they all get along? And Ina's like, they don't really. But <laughs> that's that's kind of the, the best uh, analogy of that a Thane land is kind mm-hmm. of like a state. Um, and then the Thane is the person who's in charge of the Thane land. Gotcha. So they're all in charge of their own little section. Area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess if she, if in later books she's still in Loisha, Loishara, Loishara. I'm completely. I, I'm taking. So, fun fact: when I was coming up with the the words, the fantasy words, um, then I basically went to Google Translate and was like, "All right, I'm going to pick out." basically Norwegian, Swedish, Finnish, Danish, like a whole bunch of 
of languages from that area. Mm-hmm. And I just mashed them together and was like, what looks cool? So this is very much a, a fantasy language that does not make sense in our world. Um, so but they do uh, like linguistically, like there are some, cause you know, there's on the Eastern side of Europe, there's the Slavic, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I, I know Norwegian them, it, they're not Slavic. There are something different, different language group. Um, yeah. But there is at least among the Slavic countries, a lot of similarities. And I know, but between mm-hmm. like um, Russian and um Ukrainian that there's some commonality and I, I I've heard that there's some commonality not a lot between like Finnish and and other um languages up there only because like Finnish, geographically yeah. they're close together and people are kind of roaming around so you know you 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 see a thing that you know you don't have a word for in your language but they have a word for it in another language you're like oh we call it this yep. and over time that may get merged into your language like you find english words in other languages because mm-hmm. they're like why we're not going to create a word for this computer we're just going to borrow something that you exactly yeah. know, like so, so we're all using the same sort of word for it no, so, so that's I'm, cool. I'm, so I think yeah. you can mash that together. But if, if you've mentioned in later books that she's still there, so I'm guessing she doesn't leave the video game and go back. No, there is there is one point in the third book in the series where she gets kicked back to our world, but she doesn't stay in our world because she's grown roots in Loishara. Um, and Loishara um, becomes kind of her her home. And she doesn't really have any ties to Fargo anymore. I mean, you know, there's lack of indoor plumbing and um, heat, central <laughs> heating, magic. air condition. I mean, yeah, you've got magic and dragons, but like who here, who among <laughs> us would, would trade flushing toilets and, you know, central heating and air conditioning for um, a fire <laughs> or opening a window? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I guess if... I'm, if if she's in like a Norse analog kind of place, they have probably Norse weather and, but they do get mm-hmm. summer. It does get hot over there. <laughs> I follow yeah. a Swedish um, uh, travel blogger and, you know, right now she's on Svalbard, which is all the way up close to the, um, mm-hmm. the North pole. And like, it was 50 degrees there. And she was saying that in Sweden, like where her sister lives, it was, you know, like, 80 or 90 at that point i don't remember what she said celsius wise yeah. i'm awesome at the celsius fahrenheit uh in you know thing and so yeah so are or is she in the the north dakota analog for like mm-hmm. where loey Shar? like let's talk about like it depends like, on what part of loey Shar yeah. you're in okay so and that that is something that um is part has been part of my world building is the northern part of loey Shara. Sure is more like Scandinavia, um, Norway, Sweden. Um, but as you go farther south, there are parts of it that are um, a lot warmer. Uh, there's a certain, one of the Thainlands in the south actually has bayous similar to Louisiana. So there is a, a very diverse geography in, in Loishara. Um, so it really depends on where you're at. Um, something else like so even though I like doing sort of the fantasy stuff I also kind of like having a little bit of I don't say hard science but figuring out the physics of the mm-hmm. fantasy world I mean, you have so to. 
I, yeah. you, I, I write epic fantasy like you do, and you, you totally, like, as much as you, we, we just want to play with the magic and the dragons and all the fun stuff, we do have to sit down sometimes and figure out, okay, how is this going to work this world? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what kind of weather are they going to have? Like, so that when you're in a scene and you need some weather, you're like, okay, I've figured out what sort of weather they can have. So here's my yeah. choices for the weather they can have today. <laughs> you know, because sometimes and, you need... Yeah. You need like whether to play a role in what's going on or a reason that they don't go outside or whatever because yeah. you need them inside for something or whatever. And so like, so I have done uh, research as to, you know, how would people like back in the Middle Ages or even, you know, the early, mo- not early modern, that's later, but like Viking era, um, how would they have stayed warm? What, they, what would they have done in like castles and hovels, wherever they're living? And so I've kind of um, played around with that. So they, they, they're able to keep their houses comfortable. And especially if you're a ruler, you're going to have some nice digs. Um, so I, I kind of uh, look and be like, okay, how, how hard and difficult am I going to make my characters' lives? I mean, that's the question. Because if, because you got to make um, where she's living in Loewy Shar comfortable enough that giving up modern conveniences is no big deal. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I also touch into um, throughout the series, the fact that, um, uh, that uh, she has a lot of trauma and bad memories from Fargo. And that does affect people where they're like, okay, this place that I lived in my entire life, it may have, you know, all these great perks, but whenever I see this place, whenever I'm here, all I can think about are the horrible things that happened to me. So it doesn't matter uh, how nice of a place it is. Um, I associate negative memories with this place, yeah. whereas somewhere else they're going to have more positive memories. And that's kind of what happens to her. And I also, when it comes to like the magic and like, a little bit of the hard science. I kind of treat the magic in this world as um, a bit like science in our world. And so um, later on in Air Spartan, get to meet Maddie. And Maddie's another character that I absolutely love. And she is very much, she prefers the magic over like sword fighting and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the modern I mean, who conveniences wouldn't? that we have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if and I so, had a choice between a sword and some magic, I know what I would choose. <laughs> exactly. Fireballs all day. Oh, oh yeah. All day long. Magical <laughs> shields. You can have your sword, but if I've got a shield that you can't get through, like, guess who's gonna win the fight? It ain't gonna be you because exactly. by the time I drop that I can hold it until you're completely exhausted and then just walk over and smack you, <laughs> you know? Yep. And so Maddie is much more into the the magic side. Ah, my dragon fell. I, I have a little, my little dragon yeah, guy. I saw. He's actually, I, I purchased him and I have a bigger one who her leg broke because one of my children were playing on her. Um, but yeah, those are my little mascots. So, but I'll let, I'll let Pavo rest. I've seen them at the Renaissance Fair. They have the little thing that you squeeze, you can open their mouth. Mm-hmm. Some of them are more articulated. A- um, this is a fun little spiky guy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so with the magic, uh, Maddie is very much like, how does the magic work? She's like, I'm not just going to hand wave it. I want to know exactly how it works. And so she kind of treats it like 
a science. Mm. Um, and so there are certain things that especially it isn't touched on too much in Ina's series, but I do plan on having a series for Maddie as well, um, where Maddie really gets into the nitty gritty of how does this magic work? Because in her mind, it is a science. And if she can figure out how um, the magic works, how the science works, then she's like, I can make my life better. I can make everyone else's lives better. I can figure out all the things that I take for granted, indoor plumbing, mm -hmm. air conditioning, heating. I can figure out how to make it more efficient through magic as opposed to science because they're one and the same in her mind. Um, I love Maddie. Maddie is so much fun. And so that's part of one of the reasons. Or go ahead. No, so I'm guessing that Ina's like all the you know fine with the hand waving, like <laughs> give me the dragon. She's just like it yeah, works, and that's all I dragon. need to know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She's like, I don't need to know the the nitty gritty uh, scientific paper on how this spell works. Just make it work. Yeah. Tell me what what are the words I need to say? What's the hand gestures I need to do? Um, what's the bobble that I need to wear in order to make the magic work? Whereas Maddie's like, I need to know the details. Yeah. Why does it work? And why is it this specific way makes it work versus like one, one variation to it. But it, it sounds like yep. that Maddie doesn't have like Ina's, you know, the daughter of a Thane. So she's got political things she needs to be taking care of. And Maddie, I'm guessing doesn't. So Maddie was her friend from, north dakota who came here was yeah. she related to somebody did she get grabbed by accident and decide hey I, you know i was crashing at my friends and if she's gonna stay there <laughs> kind of weird if i went back <laughs> like, so her deal so maddie maddie is actually very tied into the world of loi shara too and later on in the series she actually does have to um have some she becomes a thing oh. um so uh like we were talking earlier, I'm okay mm. with giving spoilers because um, they're fun. And then the they spoilers <laughs> won't necessarily give away the big plot, the major plot line. But uh, when they, when they, um, Ina and Haldrick end up going back to the Thane's estate, Miss Varden, and there they meet up with uh, Maddie. And Maddie, uh, so back in Fargo, Maddie and Ina were best friends. Their fathers were best friends. Um, and that was how Maddie ended up being uh, living with Ina is because both her both of her parents passed away by the time she was 14. Oh. And she didn't really have any family members. And so her dad's like, in his will, and her mother never changed it, was like, um, was like, okay, if both of us die, then uh, Maddie's going to go live with... Uh, Svante, who is Maddie's father, Svante's best friend and his wife. Um, unfortunately, uh, there's a failure to communicate things over the years, and and Ingmar never had the chance to return back to Fargo. And so by the time Maddie's mother passed away, um, it's Svante's not there, or Svante's passed away, um, Maddie's mother has passed away. Ingmar is still in Loishara. And so Maddie is now living with Ina and her mother and the mother's boyfriend. But Maddie has a little, uh, little perk. I don't want to say perk. Maybe perk's the right word. So Maddie's father, Svante, 
when he came to our world, he found out about video games. And he was like, you know what? People would love all of the stories and lore of Loishara. And he figured out, I'm going to make a video game based off of the world that I'm from and all the fantasy and the magic. And people are going to eat this up. And they did. And so he ended up making a, uh, like an indie video game that people just loved. And then that got bought out by a bigger uh, video game company. And it has become, in their world, this big, huge franchise uh, that makes tons of money. And so Maddie actually has a very nice inheritance. Um, and this is talked about a little bit in the first chapter. Uh, she's very wealthy. She has a living stipend. And that's part of the reason that Ina's mother allows her to live with them. Because Ina's mother also gets a stipend to take care of Maddie. Um, but yeah, so Maddie, uh, she um, she's actually very familiar with the world of Loishar from her father's like game notes and everything. But she, like Ina, thought that Loishar was just like this. It was just a game. And maybe it was based off of her dad's, you know, childhood and stories from when he was growing up. And then she gets thrown into uh, the, the actual world of Loishara, and she'll have to have, she has her own storyline. Um, and I've, uh, I actually have a short story that I am, I've drafted it. I need to finish the story I'm writing now and then start her story of what happened to her uh, when she first arrived in Loishara and how she reacted to it. Um, because this is a spoiler. She's actually Heldrick's half-sister. They don't know oh. that until until a few days after they're all at, at uh, the Thane estate. Um, and Ina has a dream where she sees her father and he's like, hey, give this to Maddie because Fonte would be really mad if I didn't give her this, if she didn't get this pendant that is a symbolic of her being part of, being one of the Thane's children, being part of the sort of noble class. Mm-hmm. And so the thing with these pendants is that they are etched with whatever Thane land you're, you're connected to. And so um, Maddie also kind of was getting clues. And I touch upon this in her story, um, but she mentions it to Ina after the big reveal uh, of her and Haldric being half siblings is that she's like, I'm pretty sure I was pretty sure that Haldric is and I were related because my dad mentioned having a son from a previous marriage and Haldric looks like our dad. But I wasn't going to say anything because I don't yeah. know how problematic that might be. If yeah. we met. But then when Ina gives her the pendant and Haldric sees that she ha- that Maddie is connected to Andratter and that she has this pendant that means that she is part of uh, the, the noble class and everything. Um, she can now deal with politics of- too. <laughs> exactly which is as soon as she realizes that she's like oh shit because i i have for a lot of the main characters who come from our world Mm -hmm. to uh loishara they have their reasons for why they like the game so much for ina she loved the games because she could be powerful strong confident everything she's not in real life yeah she gets to be you know the hero Mm -hmm. and for maddie she liked that she could just be anonymous because in our world, everyone knew her as, you know, the daughter of the man who created the Loishara games. And so everyone's like, 
oh cool what perks what you know they want all the latest and greatest and she's like i don't care like i want to be anonymous i just i don't want everyone staring at me and being like oh you're you're maddie gunvald and so um but her being she related yeah her being one of yeah. you know one of the things children is not going to make her anonymous so exactly <laughs> and she's like, that. Oh. yeah so she so that is that is something that when i i expand her story more um that she has to deal with the fact that she just can't be anonymous because of who her father is and she has to deal with that life and then there's another there's another character who doesn't pop up until the last two books in the series um another one of ina's friends who um henry's another fun character but the reason that he likes uh the games is that he can be an adventurer and go out and help people and he doesn't have to have all this responsibility because in Fargo, he's like the quarterback of the high school football team. And his dad's a big business person. Mm-hmm. And he's supposed to follow in his father's footsteps. And in the games, he can just pretend to, he can just be a random adventurer going out, slaying bad guys and rescuing people. And um, when he does get tossed into uh, Loi Shara, uh, he kind of gets to do that. But he also has to deal still with the fact that um, both of his parents were uh, noble, elite, political individuals. Um, but yeah, all the games for Ina, Maddie, and Henry were all ways for them to escape the parts of life that they were just like, this is too overwhelming for me. So, and so that's that's kind of a theme throughout the yeah. whole thing. So like, okay, so, so, uh, so Ina's dad mm-hmm. came to Fargo. And met her mother, or her mother came from Louis. Her mother is no, her mom is from Fargo. Her mom has lived in Fargo her entire life. Gotcha. Um, That's what I thought. Does not believe in the magic or anything. Her mom is, I don't know how much I'm allowed to swear. Um, she doesn't sound like, she sounds like a piece of work. <laughs> she is. She's a narcissist and very manipulative, uh, very abusive. And, um, in the first chapter, uh, you get to see a interaction between her and Ina where she accuses Ina of stealing stuff and chews her out. And yeah, just not a lovely person. And then you get to see her again in, in book three when when Ina and Maddie and Haldrick get tossed into Fargo and uh, how I, I won't spoil that part, but yes. There's some fun action scenes in in Fargo, and you get to see a little bit of uh, karma for Ina's mother and how she has treated not only her daughter but other people throughout time. But yeah, Ina's so, mother is a piece of work to put it nicely. Yeah. Okay. So if you go, f- so these, so the the the, the two fathers who were from mm-hmm. Loishara and they came mm-hmm. to Fargo, like, well, I mean, one, they had to one, have culture one, shock. Ava- Yes, they had culture shock, but they were also just like, hey, this is a cool new place. Let's just, you know, check it That's out. That's a lot to figure and, out with the technology and stuff, especially the father creating yeah. the video game, going from I'm living in a medieval society to and swinging swords around to I'm going to write code. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's quite a jump that that must have taken a while. Yeah, so he so the both of them 
from the time that they that they leave Loishara to the time that they um, that Svante dies is about a ten year period, and but both of them are very smart individuals, and and uh, Svante doesn't end up in Fargo. He actually ends up in Sea Castle, which is actually Seattle, and both of them are able to, in their respective places, kind of uh, uh, connect with other people. And so with Svante, he connects with a lot of like people who were, you know, creating their own little games, their little indie games and that kind of stuff. That's the group that he ends up falling in with. And so that's how he's able to pick up on um, this stuff so quickly. And the way that he sees code and creating video games and the stories, um, initially he doesn't actually write the code. It is the people that he's met. He's the storyteller. He's the one who mm. creates the world, who writes the world. But then as time goes on, if you're hanging with, with software people, you're going to start to learn about how to do software. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's sort of his. And I will say I do a little bit of hand-waving with that more than with the, the fantasy world. But um, yeah, he that's how he ends up uh, um, being in in uh, Seattle and creating the game. And also um, Maddie's mother is not ignorant of software either. And so while she's not one of the main um, programmers, uh, she's still part of that group of people who, um, when he first comes to Seattle, who he ends up interacting with and becoming friends with and everything. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. That's wild. Are you ever going to write that story of them coming in there and creating the game? And Possibly. I mean, it's not out of the realm of, of possibility. It, it, it is one of the backstories that I'm just like, I probably will have to touch on that. Um, how, you know, how did they end up, how did they adapt to Fargo or Seattle versus medieval uh, Scandinavia-esque culture. Yeah, and, and how, did how did Ina's father end up with a narcissist who sounds like, you know, I mean, unless he was a narcissist too. <laughs> I don't... Because <And> <laughs> so, he sounds like a good guy, like, to end up with someone who would mistreat his child, at, like, that's... I mean, you must have met her in the depths of culture that, uh, shock and <laughs> clung to the first warm body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also something that a lot of narcissists will do when they first meet someone It's called love bombing. And so I absolutely can see, uh, Ina's mother love bombing, uh, Ingmar and him thinking, Oh, wow, this is a really nice lady. And you know, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times narcissists, they'll love bomb until they marry the individual. And then after they get married, then, their true colors start to show. And that's how I see it with, with Ina's mother is that before being married to Ingmar, she's like, Oh, you know, I love you so much. You're the most amazing man in the world. Da, da, da. And then as soon as they get married, she's like, I hate you. And I hate this life. And, and just a one eighty. But um, like he'd have yeah. to have money or, or something she wanted. And if he just came over here from nowhere, like you, how are you going to get a job when you don't have a degree? How are you, you know, like, you're like, 
the only jobs you'd be getting are things that are not going to be paying well enough for a narcissist to be paying any interest in you. <laughs> if the narcissist is interested in money, sometimes narcissists are, are interested in, in other in other stuff. Um, I will say that is something that I'm going to have to flesh out in the future. Yeah, because um, I'm curious. Because like most narcissists, are, they're after like money, prestige, and if he's coming from another world and only spending ten years here and mm -hmm. getting a daughter out of it, uh, doesn't sound like that's that's not a lot of time to to meet her. And like it had to be magic, man. <laughs> well, their I meeting mean, I had to be like fireworks and like. I, I will say that um, I could see him coming in kind of inadvertently being a Prince Charming to her where he, because he's able to fight, he's able to defend himself and he's easy on the eyes um, that, you know, he probably comes in when she's in a particularly vulnerable situation and it's just like, Hey, I'm going to help. And she's like this guy, he may not have money. He may not like, he may be a random new person but i can work with this i can i can manipulate this situation to my benefit so but that's something that i'm going to have to flesh out more i will be perfectly honest oh, and say see. that Ina's she could see him as a work in progress that he's got yes he could go far with the right woman behind him and the right motivation exactly and she's going to be that right woman and then um uh about five years after um yeah, about five years after Ina is born. So about 10 years after he's arrived, that's when Svante dies. And part of the, the magic and the lore and the like death rites, um, Ingmar knows that he has to take Svante's body back to Loishara through, you know, poured through the magic. There is still a little bit of magic between our world and Loishara. Um, the dragons, that is another part of the world building lore. The dragons they have the ability to, to shift between realms. And um, so both Svante and Ingmar have uh, dragon scales with them when they come to our world. And those dragon scales can act as a portal back to Loishara. The magic's a little dodgy. Um, they don't know exactly how, how it works. That is something that Ingmar has studied his entire study during his entire life but they know that it, that uh, if they have if you have a dragon scale on you you can get from point a to point b you can go you know to and from and so that is how so when ingmar when svante dies ingmar takes his body back to loishara so that it can have the proper uh death rites and proper burial and all that kind of stuff but when he returns back to loishara they're in the middle of a full-fledged war and so the High King tells uh, Ingmar, no more adventuring for you. You need to go fight. Um, and so he's not able to come back. And all of a sudden, he's no longer this uh, work in progress uh, who Ina's mother can, can mold into what she wants to be. And she gets very, very angry. And she's like, he's abandoned me. And he, you know. There's, there is a lot because there's also another story that I've written about Ina when she's younger and delves more into like when she and Maddie first met. Right, right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I'm going to have to flesh more of 
Ingmar and Sijin, who is, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that um, right, uh, S-I-G-Y-N, um, their relationship and how they met. But um, I, I may have, when I was starting to write the story, may have loosely, loosely, um, and I see this for legal purposes, loosely uh, based Ina's parents off of my own. Oh, so okay. Oh, they're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they, I, they don't, I don't think they listen to Spotify. If anyone's listening, it's probably my sisters. And if my sisters hear this, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so gonna, your dad came from Loishara or the um, Earth equivalent, and mom's uh, a bit of a narcissist. Yeah, well, that's that's like medieval <laughs> Norse. <laughs> I'm kidding. I've, I've yeah. no shade in Utah. I've never actually been to Utah, so <laughs> it looks I, like another have, world. Like the the pictures of like the parks and things. Like it looks like a whole other world. Yeah, it is. It is a beautiful place. I've lived in Utah. That's where I went to uh, college. And I have a lot of world building that came from while I was living there. But but no, my my parents, yes, my mother's a narcissist, Um, not diagnosed, but the actions, you know, if it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, probably a duck kind of uh, situation. Um, And my dad, you know, they met in LA and uh, I don't know too much about how they met. I just know that they met and my mother literally said, cause I guess they went on an activity together or there was an activity to go to Disneyland. And she's like looking at the guys coming around the corner and she's like that guy. And she points out my dad and she is, she decided before he even knew who she was, that he was, he was the guy that she was going to, uh, use and be in a relationship with and and all that kind of stuff so i absolutely know that i might know not know necessarily the uh mechanics behind why a narcissist chooses their partner but i know that just from family experience that they will just you know be like that person that is the person that i'm going to uh woo and love bomb and and mold and make into my my person and then if the person continues to uh, do what they want them to do, becomes the person that they want to be, they'll stick with them. If not, uh, they'll, they'll discard. And so um, with Ina and her parents, uh, just through the, the fact of, of Svante dying and Ingmar having to take his body back, uh, Saijin never actually had a chance to discard him or mold him into who she wanted him to be. And so she kind of feels very, very angry at the fact that she did not get what she wanted out of her partner. And she's oh, going to wow. take that out on her daughter. So what, what is it like being the child of an undiagnosed narcissist? Like, how does like I my mom's not a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> she's it's a roller coaster relationship. Like, like, yeah. Like, how does that I can't like my brain is broken like trying to <laughs> unpack that <laughs> it it is an emotional roller coaster um it definitely uh gives me a lot of story fodder um a lot of character development of like you know why do characters act a certain way um i think a lot of that comes from me growing up uh 
me being like, why is my mother acting this way? Why are other adults acting this way and not knowing? And so I'd have to like dig into that. That's probably also why I like personality tests. What makes people tick? And that makes for That's really good character development. Also, the reason why I really love portal fantasies, and I've always loved portal fantasies in one way or another, whether it is uh, jumping into a completely different fantasy world or another series that I have that involves time travel. It's a form of portal fantasy. And um, with all of this, um, it's that, that if you're in a very crazy, toxic home life, it is very tempting to be able to have the idea of just, I can escape. I can escape this really horrible home life that I have. And that's, that is really where, where Ina came from. Part of, part of the inspiration for the story and for the character is I was that 17 year old who instead of video games, I escaped into books. I escaped into uh, fantasy stories. And that's also why I tend to not like, I tend to not necessarily read horror or the darker stuff. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to escape that. Yep. Same. And so, um, yeah, that's uh, without going too deep into, cause I could, I could most topics, if I'm very passionate about them, I could be talking on them for, two, three hours. I, jo- I jokingly call it the vortex. Mm. Um, but that is something that I could talk very deeply on. But uh, Cliff Notes, the Reader's Digest version of being the child of a narcissist, uh, it is a roller coaster. Absolutely. Emotionally, mentally, all of that. Um, little silver lining is that I have great uh, um, experience with like creating characters and that kind of stuff and figuring out what makes them tick. So. Yeah, no, that's cool. Like, I know a lot of cinnamon rolls, so I tend to write a lot of cinnamon rolls because it's what you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love I love cinnamon roll characters. They're some of my favorite, um, especially the cinnamon rolls who are there. They are purposefully cinnamon rolls. Like, they, they oh, know yeah. that they're they capable of being scary, but they choose to be a cinnamon roll because they... I want to say there was, I'm trying to remember what episode of Doctor Who it was, but there's an episode where like the bad guy is mocking the doctor and being like, oh, he's a good guy. He's not, he's not worth, you know, he's not really going to do anything. And he's like, no, he's like, good men don't need rule. And I think, I hope I'm paraphrasing this the right way. He's like, good men, um, good men don't need rules. You don't want to find out why I have so many rules. And I love that. I love that vibe of someone who is a cinnamon roll because they know that they are capable of doing really bad things if you push them past that edge. Um, that is actually Heldrick. Um, even though uh, you don't really see too much of that, you start to see it towards the, the later books in the series. Um, but I have some stories. I have some like shorter stories. Uh, some, I don't know if it would be considered uh like short stories or scenes microfiction it's it's sort of the written version of like when you go to the movies and you see those scenes after the credits that kind of stuff i have oh, i have okay. stuff like that um i have one scene so haldrick is very much is a cinnamon roll he loves and adores ina but he's also knows what it takes to be a good leader and he has had to deal with some very brutal situations 
fighting, warfare, that kind of stuff. Um, there is a scene that I have that I actually plan on on writing and I plan on posting it on my subscription. Um, I jumped onto Ream recently and that's where I'm putting a lot of my new stuff. Mm. Um, but uh, there's this scene in my head where Haldric ends up uh, meeting up with some of the people who have caused uh, Ina grief in her life who are actually from Loishara. So fun fact, Ina's mother's boyfriend uh, is actually from Loishara. And he was sent by another thing to mess with Ina. That gets described more in the series. You find out more about that in the series. Oh, but wow. anyway, after after book three, uh, and this is hinted at in book four, um, after book three, the boyfriend gets tossed back into Loishara and he gets captured by by Haldric and put in the dungeons. And I have this scene of, of Haldric basically going down into the dungeons and being like, you did all of these absolutely horrible things to Ina. And now you are going to have to pay the consequences. And I am going to personally make you pay the consequences. And, you know, he ends up killing the guy. Uh, but that is sort of Haldric. He's not a, you know, he doesn't like to go and do dark things. He he doesn't want to go and, and do violence. He wants peace. Like that is something throughout the series that he says, he's like, I want peace. I'm tired of fighting. But if you hit that point, if you hit that, that barrier with him or you hurt his loved ones, he is not afraid to uh, get nasty. It's just, it's not, that's not his first, his first thing that he'll do. Mm. So yeah, I like cinnamon rolls. Yeah, so do I. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. My favorite is the overpowered super um, cinnamon roll who's like, um, knows that they have the power to do like, to really just screw up <laughs> lots of things and they're like no i'm choosing to be a pacifist i am choosing mm-hmm. not to use all the power that i have because i could really destroy things and i don't want to do that <laughs> and you yes, don't want is, to make is... me angry enough to lose control yep yep those are my favorite kind so but uh yeah i've got not just in, I'm trying to focus on just on my Loishara characters, but in a lot of my writing, even outside of fantasy, um, I'll have those kinds of characters because I love it so much. Yeah, no, they're fun. No, I I, I, I have two of them. I like the strong <laughs> women too. I have the strong sassy women and the strong, well, I don't know if she would count as sassy, but the other one is sassy. <laughs> I have one that's, she's more very hard line <laughs> yeah i've got she knows I've what got she a- wants if you get in her way or you if you harm her people she'll get medieval on your butt mm-hmm. <laughs> no qualms <laughs> i have i have one character like that who's actually heldrick's not direct cousin but his cousin um come to find out a lot of the a lot of the uh leaders in in Moishara are related in some way shape or form um but uh, one of a new another um, soon to be Thane uh, is one of uh, Haldric's cousins, and she is the same way. She's very hardline, very tough. Um, the only person that she is a softie for. There's two people that she's kind of a softie for. 
One is Heldrick because she sees him as a brother. They grew up learning how to fight and and all that kind of stuff. And she's also a big softie for her wife. And so uh, there's another, once again, there's a story that I don't know when I'll have the time to write it, but a story about her. And um, after the, this story takes place after the events of um, Ina's series, but her wife gets kidnapped by some bad guys who, who want to manipulate the, um, Heldrick's cousin. And oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so on the one hand, so the funny thing is this um, cousin, Alatar, uh, she and Henry are actually cousins because of there, there's more, there's more stuff. There's, I'm trying that to make it complicated many. when they're dating someone or they beat someone. You got to like go back and check the genealogy. Like, wait, are we related? How far back are we related? So, can we uh, get together or do we have to part as friends? <laughs> yeah. So talking about world building, I actually have. Um, so the, the noble class in Loishar are called the Abthenry. And they actually have the different houses, the different Thanelands actually have magic genealogy books. Because early on, they're just like, this is going to be this is going to be complicated. And this is going to get awkward. And we don't want it to get too weird. Um, and so you have these magic genealogy books, these annals. And that's actually where Haldrick confirms that Maddie is his half-sister. He goes and he checks the annals, or he has one of his servants checks the, check the annals. Um, and so they're servant, updated uh, by magic? Mm-hmm. I have something similar. <laughs> it's not in any of the books and yet. So, it's something I created. Yeah long 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 time ago that i just haven't been able to squeeze in anywhere yeah it's it's fun it's fun though to have that that little bit of magic be like okay you know make sure no one does anything too weird but yes they they do have those and that is that those annals are both how ina is actually is able to say yes i am actually the the daughter of this you know of my father even though no one has met me because the annals confirm it and then that's how Haldrick and, and Maddie know that they are siblings. Um, but that's, those, those annals are also used to make sure that uh, you don't marry someone too close. And when Ina and Haldrick, as their relationship increases, and she's like, okay, so you're the Thane of Andratter, and I'm now the Thane of Spartan. Uh, how closely are we related, honey? And, and he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, we, we, we're at least like, fifth or sixth cousins at least so don't worry don't worry about it we can we can check they they do have a few uh ancestors in common but that's like three or four hundred years in the past so i have created those family trees that are just to make uh, sure so you're not hooking people up who should not be hooking up (laughs) yes and i actually have for for the same world another um an elven uh, race that uh, are very, they're, they're connected to like fertility and plants and like any place that they live becomes very lush with plant life and everything. But they also are very fertile in other ways. They have lots of children. And so, and they also have this connection to the, the planet itself, which is Sethus. And they have something similar where they will have these annals of who's related to who because 
um, they have this belief in their own uh, religious system that if you have two individuals who are too closely related, that the planet itself will not allow them to have children. And so uh, that's their own, that's a, that's a completely different uh, belief system. Um, but that is their belief system is, so if you have a couple who um, in, within this elven society who aren't able to have children, they have to first check, okay, is there a physical issue? Is there, you know, something else? And then check the annals. Are they, are they related? Um, and if there's no physical issue, if there's no mental, if there's nothing, no, no reason why they shouldn't be able to have children. And then they check the annals and they are somehow related too closely. Then they'll say, okay, Sethis has, has made the decision. That these two aren't supposed to be having offspring together. And then they'll, um, society says, okay, you can amicably go your separate ways. Um, and there, there are cases of people in that society who that situation has happened to, um, and they do go, you know, they're amicable. Why don't they, they have an, check that first before they um, get jiggy with it. <laughs> so they, they normally do. However, you're in any society, you're going to have bastards. You're going to have people who, and, and in this uh, other society, um, the bastards aren't necessarily recorded in their annals, um, at least correctly. And so then sometimes that can pop up if, if something has been uh, incorrectly recorded. So um, I'm still working on that society's. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I have a similar issue. Yeah, with the bastards in the Book of Names. Um, mm -hmm. That's what my I call mine is the Book of Names. Um, yeah. Totally not sexy name, but <laughs> it's clear what it is. If it gave it a fancy name, then I'd have to remember what the heck it is. What if I called the Book of Names? All right, there's names in it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like in if you're not if you are not acknowledged bastard, which my favorite cinnamon roll is, you're not in the mm -hmm. book of names. So <laughs> if you don't know <laughs> who your parent, if you don't know who your daddy is, which he doesn't know, <laughs> mm -hmm. you can't check that. He's not going to tell you anything. But once you're acknowledged, you're in there. And then you know yeah. if you have titles or if there's anything that you're you um, legally would inherit or whatever. Like once you're acknowledging, you're in that in that book that's you know you automatically get all the things um that's very cool that's see if you're related to other people mm -hmm. and that's very handy to have that that magical book of saying you're related to this person y'all have other things too be. yeah i have other yeah. things too like there's in I, I my world have tons i i, I love magic so like i have a very defined magic system and that's not the only way to find out who you're related to like any healer can tell you as long as you're like sure. in the same room with someone you're related with they can sense mm -hmm. the blood relationship if someone you're blood related oh, to really cool. within a certain number of degrees i haven't we haven't tested it beyond like half brothers cousins i haven't quite i haven't found people who are beyond those degrees to see how far out that would work so um well like it's almost like a magical dna or not dna test but yeah a magical dna test well that's what like healing magic is you're fixing the body mm -hmm. so like okay. in the magic system that i created like if if you're like fixing the body and then like you would be able to actually a blood witch would also be able to sense a degree of relationship 
because it's, really cool. it's, yeah, it's, 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 cause that's how they figure it out in our world. They test your blood. You, know, yeah. you do a blood test to see if you're related. So I just thought about it in those terms. Like if you're like stopping people bleeding with magic, then why wouldn't your magic be able to tell you if something is related? You know, it's the same thing, like a stone mage, like wandering past a mountain and their magic tells it, it is X percent this stone, Y percent that stone. And hey, if you need some iron, there's some iron there. Want some gold? Yeah. You know, like it's kind of the same thing. Like why? Uh, so I was like, oh, you know, that makes sense. Like, why wouldn't it be able to tell you that? I just got to get a freaking healer there so that we can, so you can find out that his own father indentured him. <laughs> so, um, not really like a Jerry, spoiler. The magical Jerry Springer. It's not really a spoiler because like, um, <laughs> The, he, the few interactions he's had, the, the guy has gone to extreme lengths to make it impossible for him to see his face. What, you know, mm -hmm. there's only one logical reason why you would do that. Either you're disfigured or, and you don't yeah. want people to see it, which he's not disfigured. Um, and, or you're, you look like someone who happens to be in the same room who doesn't know that you guys are related. Um, yeah. So. And I, I would love to read that scene where like a, a healer comes in and is like, um you are the father so like yeah, i've written it but i haven't been able to put it in anywhere <laughs> um the father also spends a lot of time in another city uh because he's part of the the ruling council of the country so he's not around a whole mm -hmm. lot for my character to run into um and yeah and he's indentured so he's a much lower class and yeah. his father's on the ruling council he's a nobleman so i mean they're not going to mix um yeah i'm trying to get arrange that but they're not cooperating like neither character is cooperating with this plan so like i've read the scene they meet each other no like at this point i'm like are we gonna do a deathbed <laughs> confession is that where we're headed to because like y'all are not letting me get this in while you're alive so we can do the jerry springer like <laughs> magic edition <laughs> you know I mean, maybe they want to be extra jerry springer and have it be the deathbed maybe. confession like i i have I'm trying, but they're not cooperating. So, you know. Um, That's when you pull a, a deus mach machina. And you're nah, just like, I, I am the god of your world. Oop. Well, I mean, we we had his, uh, the main character, um, we had Sarn's sister, who's deceased, run into a guy who looked exactly like her and her twin brother. And she was like, Wait. but this person is older than them, like by like mm -hmm. you know, seven or eight years. Like, it's obvious that this person is much older than them. And she's like, why do you, why do you why do you look like like I'm confused? She's like I have two brothers, one who looks like me, one who's a half brother who doesn't really look like us much. Who are you? You know, <laughs> and like this other person doesn't know that he has other half siblings that he's not aware of. So he's like, I don't know <laughs> who you think I am. <laughs> it's then they get involved in because like the villain was like taken over and she got involved in the whole thing and was like okay i'm gonna find you later and find the answer she hasn't yet but um this is my curse breaker series and um it's sister series the his angelic keeper series that the scene with the half brother was in uh, i think it was um his angelic keeper fallen um yeah so but the scenes were like started interacted with his ha with his actual father which he didn't know was actually in the first book <laughs> the guy mm, was like okay. in the shadows and like trying really hard to keep from him from seeing him <laughs> um he wasn't suspicious because he was like in the middle of something else and they pulled him in to talk to his mind. So unfortunately Saren was very much not thinking about the whole like why are you keeping me from seeing you? 
um, and in Zarn's eyes glow. So trying to keep, you know, so he's in the shadows behind the screen, like trying to keep, it's not easy to, yeah. to stay in, you know, um, to keep it so that you're not visible when somebody's eyes glow very brightly. <laughs> so it's like, it's, I, I find the scene to be kind of hilarious. Um, it's not written that way. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a very serious scene, but I, I, I don't know. It tickles my phone. At the mode. same time, yeah. Sometimes you have serious scenes that are absolutely hilarious. Yeah, but um, yeah. So he, he needs the book of names, uh, which he wouldn't be able to see as a lower class person, and he, or he needs a healer. We don't currently have one. We have uh, people who don't have healing magic who, um, you know, heal people with like just you know stitching them up and hoping for the best. Um, yeah. at the moment they don't because magic is illegal so finding a healer with magic okay. they exist I have a couple but getting them to go there into the city that's in the capital region where it's more likely that you'll interact with like one of the group um, that goes around hunting magic users is a lot higher mm -hmm. it's a little bit harder yeah. to convince a healer to go there with ma that actually has magic I'm working on it but the character keeps like deciding not to go there <laughs> to stay in the hinterlands I, I, I like where it's easier life. to hide so <laughs> um i you know we got the job it's on the job board but like nobody's applying <laughs> exactly. sometimes yeah sometimes the characters are just like no i'm not doing that i've, I've had i've had a few characters who, who do that where i'm just like you're supposed to do this how does this work and they're like no no that's not gonna happen i'm like but but it would make for a good story and they're like it's not going to happen yeah fine or other characters where i'm just like this is not supposed to happen. They're like, I don't care. This is what happens. Yeah, I'm like, but that's... this is very awkward. And mm -hmm. I don't know how to write it as a, as an author. And they're like, well, that's where you have to improve your craft. So you can write this story one day. And I'm just like, I don't know if it's that, if that's how it works. But okay. Fine. I've had the same arguments. Like, <laughs> or you're trying to wrap up the book. And in the like, mm -hmm. in the last freaking, at the very end of the book, characters like, hmm. I'm going to run off and do this thing over here. Like, no, the book is done. I'm sorry. You, but then it's like, this thing is kind of neat. And okay, now I'm going to have to change what we were going to be doing in the sequel to some, to this cool thing you started running off and doing that you weren't supposed to be doing because it's interesting. And now I'm curious. Yeah. They always oh, do yes. this to me. There's a couple of events that like I've been trying to get to that like I mentioned years ago and I still can't get to because the characters just won't do it. They're like, no, we're going to go chase dragons. No, I need you to do the freaking joust because I've been <laughs> promising this for years. I need you to just do the yeah. damn joust. Let's go to the joust. Let's fight the monsters. Let's save the queen. <laughs> let's stop. Let's stop running around doing other things, please. They're They're just like Henry. They don't want to have responsibility anymore they just want to be fun adventurers who you know save the day yes yeah that's what henry does a lot is he's like i don't want to be responsible i don't care if my parents were like the children of rulers of countries and accidentally caused a war um i just want to go fight bad guys and swing a right. sword around and be leroy jenkins oh, i don't know if you've seen dragons that. yeah we're, we're just chasing dragons <laughs> what are you gonna do with the dragons when you catch them no no plan nothing oh you'll figure well, something we'll yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna figure something out when you've wandered so far off the outline that like you're off in guam <laughs> i don't know what yeah. you're doing 
Oh, it's always characters. fun when characters misbehave. Yeah, and then, like I have a lar- somewhat large cast, so there's more of them. So their ability to misbehave and rebel is a little higher. Than- yeah, <laughs> there's no, too I've, many of them. I've been able to. Most of my characters are well behaved. Um, I do have one character from a, a short story that I'm writing now that's within the Loishara world. Um, once again, it's one of those those I love doing. Uh, a different point of view yeah um so in book two ina is uh trying to return back to the the thane estate it's been attacked everything and she's hiding in the woods trying to get some intelligence on uh the invaders and there's a point where she accidentally like steps on a i can't remember if it's her or the person she's with steps on a branch and makes a sound and then like this uh, camp of guards all of a sudden they hear hear it and she's like oh shit oh shit be very very silent and then they go back to doing whatever they were doing which was mostly arguing uh, but I the short story that I'm writing now the main character is in that camp and he sees Ina and her friend staring out from the bushes but at this point he's so disillusioned and pissed off with uh fighting and the leadership of the invaders and and all that kind of stuff that he's just like you know what i'm not gonna say anything (laughs) i didn't see nothing (laughs) i didn't see nothing and not only that but he also uh ends up helping ina's some of her friends who are still in the estate um and and so i was like okay this is gonna be a cool little side story about a character but but you know, other than him seeing Ina that one night, they're never going to interact again. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to uh, end up with one of Ina's daughters. And I'm like, how is that going to happen now? And he's like, well, yeah, I'm like, health. he doesn't have I'm any like, daughters yet. So, so he's like, so I get frozen. And I'm like, what? I was like, how does that, how does that work? Please, please enlighten me as to how you're getting frozen. He's like, and no, why? I'm solo. And I'm like, yeah, like who's freezing you, and why would they do that? Are you are you somebody important? His old boss, well, kind of. So one of the the head people of the invasion does not like this main character, um, and uh, because of uh, elven uh, culture dynamics and and all that kind of stuff, and so this uh, one of the leaders. Um, as soon as it's revealed that this main character is now helping Ina's friends and actively trying to not help uh, the people he came over with, that he's kind of turned coat, this guy is like, I'm not going to kill you. I am going to use ice magic to freeze you in like almost permanently, semi-permanently, so that uh, basically that's considered a form of torture in their culture and that that's a fate worse than death. And so he now gets you need someone to basically... break the spell. <laughs> Which oh, yes. means... oh, there's going to be some. So, so what's going to end up happening is uh, he has a half or not half sister. He has a twin sister who, who's on the boat alongside, you know, coming over on invasion. But as soon as they get to get to Spartan, uh, his half, his, I, why do I keep calling his half sister? Not his half sister, his twin sister. Um, 
they're half elves or they're half Asilis elves, half Linville elves. That's where I'm getting the half from. But his twin sister basically is like, screw y'all. I'm going, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. And he's like, but wait, he's like, what if you get hurt? And she's like, I don't care. I don't care. These, these people like, you know, the, the Asilis elves have treated us like garbage. You just haven't realized it yet. Our family has treated us like garbage. You just haven't realized it yet. And during the story, he realizes that that this thing that he's been wanting, uh, he's not going to get it. And so that's where he gets disillusioned and he's like, screw it. I'm, I'm done. And so he, um, uh, after when the, uh, the leadership, uh, Amon is the name of the elf, um, he freezes the main character in sort of a Han Solo-ish kind of way where he's just like, not necessarily in a block of ice, but pretty much frozen in something. Um, and uh, the main character's sister uh, finds him along with a friend that she has made uh, who ends up being a river dragon. And between her, her and the river dragon have become very quick friends. Uh, and part of that is because Sethus itself has told the river dragon, you need to protect this girl. And I have a whole other story on that in my oh. head that needs to be written. But <laughs> there's but always another him. story. There's always another story. Um, and that's why I, I could be writing a hundred stories in this. So I world could and too. Be done. I could too. I'm writing a side story that is becoming a trilogy because they're just, they won't do the one thing they promised they would do in mm -hmm. this. Exactly. Damn you. Because so, I need that one thing <laughs> to figure out something in, an, in in another book, in another series that readers are actually waiting for. And I'm like, just one thing I asked of you. You can't give me the one thing. Exactly. No, and that's with this with this character. Um, after he gets frozen, his sister and the dragon basically take his frozen body to a place to to I guess thaw out. Um, magically thaw out, but it takes about 20 years for this to happen. Um, and so he wakes up 20 years later and he has no memory that the last 20 years has passed. He has no, like he, he looks like he did when he got frozen mentally. He's still there. Like time has not passed for him. And that's part of the reason why this freezing curse is kind of a, a fate worse than death because Everyone around you, even if you're a long-living elf, everyone around you will age and grow. And by the time uh, you are on, like the curse is done, everyone around you is dead, just from aging, from time passing, and you are stuck. Um, and so, uh, but for him, he ends up being stuck for about twenty years. When he wakes up, he sees his sister, and he's like. Uh, what happened to you? And she's like, well, it's been 20 years. Not what happened to me. What happened to you? Yeah. Why um, were you frozen? What's, what did you do? Who did you piss off? You pissed off the, 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 the Asilis leaders. And uh, that this is what happened to you. And so then he's like, oh crap, what do I do now? Like, I had no idea when we came over here, what, what plan B was. Uh, I just knew I was going to hang out with you. And, and also in the 20 years that's happened, his sister and the dragon guy are now in a relationship, they're partners, um, they have a family, all that kind of stuff. And so he's just sort of like, 
kind of like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so he goes adventuring. He goes, he's like, you know what? I got nothing to lose. I'm going to go so, find something. <laughs> yes. And, and he does, however, kind of stay along the coastline. And he doesn't mess too much with the humans because he's pretty sure he's like, if anyone sees me, you know, I still look like an Isilus elf. There's still a lot of bad blood. Um, they're going to kill me. But he goes and he just tries to just generally help people because he's like, I don't have anything better to do. And there are pirates and there are other, you know, entities. And so at one point he ends up meeting up with Maddie's kids. Cause once again, this is like 20 years in the future and he becomes friends with them. And he knows on a couple occasions he's interacted with Maddie and her husband mm-hmm. who he also knows. Cause they're all part of the same fam- uh, friend group family group um and then uh ina's daughter her oldest daughter has decided i'm going to be an adventurer instead of a princess like i don't want to i don't want to deal with royal stuff i want to go fight shit and so she's she's seeing you know maddie and her family and hanging out with her cousins and they end up she gets separated from her cousins and then gets in to a bit of a brawl with some of these pirates um and uh, gets in over her head, to which um, Kirion, who is the Asilis main character, ends up helping her and rescuing her. And she's all like, she sees him and she's like, you're hot. I like you. I Aww. want to be around you more. And he's all like, bad news, bad news. Bad. Like, he, he sees Not her. Not ready he sees... for that. He just got unthawed. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a couple, it's been a couple of years it's been a couple of years that he's been playing that he's been been since he's been unthawed but at the same time uh he's he's like uh i realized that i even though i was frozen for those 20 years and even though yes i look and mentally i'm kind of your peer at the other hand on the other hand there is still that 20 year gap and he's like yeah. i don't want this to be weird but Ina's daughter's like, I don't care if it's weird or not. I like you. And so I mean, that's where it would just be weird for him, not really for her. I could understand I don't I could I could yeah. understand it not being weird for her at all. And she'd be like, So you you know, but if you're from somewhere else, you have to weird this anyway. Yeah. And even after he explains, look, I was frozen for 20 years. Technically, I was born like 40 years ago. I'm I'm your mother's peer. I was born around the time that your mother was. Uh yeah, Enos daughter's like, I, I don't care. I still like you. And he's just like, the first, you know, I, I figure there's probably going to be a few books of this, but he's just like, um, he's like, I just need to be really nice and be, you know, slow and, and slowly let her like, you know, if I ignore her enough and just like, keep this platonic, then, you know, she'll just go away. She'll, she'll move on from me. Like, and, and no, that doesn't happen. And when I was talking to these two characters, I'm just like, really? Like, like this? I did not want a Twilight situation where you have a much older dude yeah. with a much younger. And they're just like, we don't care. Actually, Ina's daughter is the one who doesn't care. She just, she's like, I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm like, oh, fine. Sometimes we'll figure you out just how to have... make this not weird. Yeah, sometimes you just have to let it go and and just let them do their thing. So, all right. So we we've we've been talking for a, a long while. So, I uh, Airs yeah. is is the first book in the series, the Loisha Lo, 
Loie Shara. I got it. I got yes. it. Loie Shara series. <laughs> How many other books are currently published? Let's see. Can you hear me? Uh, you're a little low. Sorry, I'm having some That's technical difficulties. So we'll 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 yeah. wrap it up, but since your tech is is uh, having an issue, is my headphones there. decided to die, but they're not quite dead, so I'm gonna put them away. But yeah, um, you you've been introduced to the vortex. I tend to talk That's on okay. and on about a lot of stuff. I I have fun with this. No, no, uh, I, it was a really enjoyable conversation. I just want to make sure that we hit like a couple of points before we we end off. So I think I saw there were six books in the Louis Shara series on your website. So uh, there are five main books in the series. Okay, um, Those are the full length that range anywhere from 78 to 90,000 words. Those are the full length novels. And then I have a whole bunch of... Uh, like novellas so i have um one novella which is the prequel to the series and that's the one that i've kind of been using as a reader magnet a freebie for people who want to kind of um check out loe shara what see if they like the style that kind of stuff they like the world um that's visions of loe shara and that's if someone joins my newsletter that's the the story that they're going to get Mm -hmm. And then I have another novella that was originally, and technically it's still on Vela. I, I've kind of uh, not been doing too much with Vela anymore. It's I got burned out by that. But I got a bunch of great uh, short, or not short stories, novellas out of that. And the first one that I, I wrote on there, which was just sort of a fun, I want to explore the history and lore of Loishara. And this is one of their heroes. And I was like, what what is his coming of age story and so i wrote that and then last year i i published that in ebook um so it's an ebook and paperback and it's still technically on vela but i've kind of been ignoring that that one but um uh those are the books that are published so far so five full-length novels and then two uh novellas that are off of that are like on ebook paperback well ebook because visions of loishara isn't on paperback it's confusing i apologize no 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 it makes sense we've got and then are you working on another book in the series right now yeah multiple <laughs> so um so i have planned my goal for next year is to write four full-length novels um i have one in a a time traveling series that doesn't have anything to do with Loishara. And then I'm going to start on a trilogy uh, concerning Ina's friend, Henry, who you meet in books four and five, um, because he's a fun character too. And um, my goal is to have that trilogy started next March to publish that next March. We will see. We will see how chaotic my life is yeah. this year, but that is my goal. And I also have, um, what I'm also doing is um, I have a bunch of uh, novellas from Loishara Shara that both that I wrote last year, I'm writing this year. Like I said, there's a story with the, um, with the Asilis character, the elf that I'm working on right now. And then I also have a short story that I plan to write concerning Maddie and her arrival into Loishara. Shara. And those stories, I'm moving away from Vela and putting them on my uh, subscription site on Rain, mm -hmm. And so 
people who, if they read the Loisharan Lois Chronicles, if they read Ina's series and they're like, I love this, I want more, that's where I'm going to be posting um, both stories that were originally on Vela. They're going to be going on to Reem eventually. And then any new stuff in the Loishara, in the Loishara uh, universe is going to first be on um, my uh, subscription site, which is the, called the, the Book Horde. Um, it is not spelled B-O-O-K Horde. Um, but uh, that's where all of my new stuff is going to go before it ends up uh, being an ebook and paperback format. Oh, I, makes sense. Have I answered your question? No, no, that totally makes sense. All my new stuff is on Patreon and then it goes out into the world. So I totally yeah. get it. But so that's, no, this, that's what I'm doing. No, this has been awesome. And there's plenty of books to go out there and check out. So <laughs> sign up for the newsletter for that um, pre uh, Visions of Loishara yep. uh, prequel. Yeah. Yep. And then um, I think I was mentioning this before we started. In September, I am starting my um, first Kickstarter, and that's going to be for one of the other novellas in the Loishara series or Loishara world universe. Um, and we will see how that goes. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm thinking about September for a Kickstarter run too. So yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll be maybe we'll be swapping the whole backer thing. Or... <laughs> I'm 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 excited because I've seen a lot of like. Um, uh, I have seen a lot of people do really well on, uh, on Kickstarter. And part of me is like, um, with the cost of everything going up, I'm like, I, I need help with keeping my, uh, like paying for my editor and my cover artist and all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, so it looks like Kickstarter has a lot of potential for that. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want us to get on there and start building a sort of a following because I, I have wanted to do a um, graphic novel for like years yes. on my, on like some of my books are just so visual that mm -hmm. I think that they would make really, I think they'd be really neat to translate them into like a graphic novel, but that's, yes. that's something that you need to know that you're going to have uh, enough people wanting it mm -hmm. to that you, the cover of the print run and everything so that's yeah. like one of my main reasons for getting on for doing kickstarter is just to start like with well, one the first one i'm going to learn obviously yeah. <laughs> i learned how this works yes. and uh start building up some kind of like a following and and i would i really do want to do like the graphic novels because i just i really feel like like the curse breaker series especially like lends itself to that yeah, totally. like sarin is so such a visual his magic is so visual mm -hmm. i think it would be like really amazing to have an artist capture that um yeah but that's if you if you, if you figure that out <laughs> i would love to hear experiences because yeah i i love graphic novels myself and that would be a very cool thing to do. But like you said, it you have to know that there is an audience who wants that. That's the thing. And and that's what I'd have to and, and Kickstarter is into the, the the people who back things on there into very physical goods. There is yeah. a whole comics thing on there. I actually backed one of them because it's a weird western with like the um a really tough like woman female bounty hunter. And that would be one of my favorite like things. I was like, yeah, give me 
like, where's the tear with all of it? I want all of it. And <laughs> so, yeah, so it's a big thing on their comics and stuff. And, um, but I, I didn't want to like go right out the gate with that because like, it's why well, don't have an artist yet. Yeah. And, um, and you know, in my head, I've like storyboarded some, some ideas for, for this, you know, because like I've huge, I was a really, I was that 13 year old girl in the comic book shop, buying comic yes. books, spending my entire allowance on it. <laughs> you know, I was the only girl in the comic book shop. I know and, that really well. Yeah, yeah. And like nowadays you go in there and like, nobody cares. But like at the time in like 1993, Ooh. when I was 13 years old, like I it was, was getting the side eye, man. Like, or, you know, and the guy behind the counter, like, Oh, are you getting this for like your brother, your cousin you're some person who is male in your yeah, life yeah. and i was like no i read them my brother like i was buying the mark i was very into marvel and image mm -hmm. comics and some dark horse my brother was very into dc so between us we had all the comics <laughs> you know so he bought superman and batman and i bought the x-men and other titles and nice and we yeah. saw and yeah. when he was at school i read his comics and probably when i was at school he read mine <laughs> exactly yeah no i yeah. i i completely feel that because I, like, I wasn't so much into dc and marvel but there's other stuff there's a ton of different i love the wildcats just mm -hmm. the diversity of characters in there from the really short dude to like the very tall statuesque you know and, and hair of all different colors and like like nice characters and really bitchy characters like mm -hmm. i liked that there was the whole like gamut of personalities and um backgrounds and that they're fighting aliens not other like people they're just they're yeah. fighting aliens <laughs> literal aliens um <laughs> and yeah and like i just always like even like because like the chris Baker series like this was like a, a like not specifically star story but like the world like it when I was really, really little, like that's mm -hmm. what I was like playing with, like toys in, like the like building out that world, and oh, yeah. like there was different characters. Then I'll eventually get to those characters in the future, but and like I always imagine when I was buying, you know, at the comics or picking up comics, like a comic that was set in in the world that I'd created with, you know, oh yeah, absolutely, it's just something I've always wanted, so. Well, hopefully, hopefully, it, I'm excited. Now I'm I'm going to have to go out and uh, I, I haven't had the... You have an artist, like, sister. Like, I, yes. I'd be starting from, like, <laughs> like I, absolute scratch with that. But I need to build up the following because, like, that's a really expensive... There's a lot of outlay and, like, I do want to hire an actual artist. And, like, yeah. I don't want to pay them... I don't want to have to pay them poverty wages because I was reading exactly. some articles about this yeah. one artist who passed away and he, from overwork, he was mm -hmm. in his forties yeah. and like just reading about how like the comp, you know, like all these people, there was like a hashtag about like how the comics industry destroyed them physically yeah. because they're getting paid such, such little amount for insane amounts of work, you know? So I, I'd have to, I wouldn't do it unless I could figure out how to do it. Like, you know, yeah. so that A, I'm not like deep in debt and B, that like they're actually getting like some kind of good compensation for it. Oh, yeah. like, so there's like a lot of like, like research and whatever that have to go into it. But first I'd have to know that it could, that I could get enough backers mm -hmm. to be able to even do this. So like, so I thought I'd start with like 
what I have books, you know, yes, exactly. and, and go from there and see um, if we can get, you know, cause if the campaigns build up to be big enough, then it's like, okay. Like if I get like a campaign, I guess it's like in the, like, I don't know, like let's I, maybe 50,000 or something like for like mm -hmm. a regular book that it's like, okay, this, we might be able to get enough funding. Cause I think that's what you would need is like $50,000 yeah. or something or $20,000. Like I'm not even yeah. sure. Um, but like, you know, not like a couple of thousand dollars. I don't think that would be enough to do like a graphic novel of it, or maybe I'd, I'd probably have to break it up into like, I don't, I don't know that I'd be able to do like the whole yeah. book because it's 165,000 words yeah. as like one graphic novel. Like I think it would have to be done in like, there's, I have I so many questions. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of like, cause along with a lot of the um, like comic books and graphic novels, I also got into a lot of uh, manga and i mean there's that too and they they figured out a way to basically you have this big overarching story um and one of my favorites is called the library wars um but uh the way that the author i don't know both the author and illustrator but the way that they set up the stories is that this thing is a massive story in of itself but they're able to chunk it up into um bite-sized right. pieces and but those pieces had their own uh, story arcs within them, and I, I'd love to be able to do something like that. I don't have. I'm like, yeah, I'm <laughs> pretty far from being able to do that. Like this is still pie in the sky, and yeah, other pie oh, in the sky is getting my favorite narrator to narrate the audiobook. But that's exactly very pie in the sky for 165,000 word novel, and we're looking at yeah. like, let's see, let's you know. A lot like that's 17 or 18 hours and, yeah. and the, the narrators that i like from that do that have narrated my favorite books on audible are 500 an hour and, and up yeah. so like we're looking at a really humongous like outlay so I've, like this i've is had all people ask horizon yeah i've had people ask about uh doing audiobooks for the louis sharon chronicles and i've had to tell them it's going to be a minimum of 15 grand for the entire series, like a minimum. Yeah. So if you guys want them, please go buy the uh, ebook and paperback and like, you know, get, you know, get people interested because like, I'm not a person who can shell out 15 grand as much as I love the series, you know, a minimum of 15 grand to, to pay for an audiobook version of this. So I think and I'm looking at a hundred grand to do what? mine. <laughs> I think oh, I'm looking at a hundred grand to do mine because there's over a million words in just the Chris oh, Bigger wow. series alone, <laughs> and yeah. it has oh, yeah. offshoots. So I think I'm looking at like at least a hundred grand to do all of it. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think a lot of readers. Um, I mean, I didn't know this until I started uh, researching audio books and that kind of stuff. I don't think there's a lot of readers who understand, like, know how expensive it is, and and you know. It's something, like I said, it's something I didn't know until recently, so. Yeah, I, I was looking into, like, other options, but um, if I do the royalty share, and then I can't, I can't have, I can't continue to read some of it on the podcast, and I can't uh, include excerpts of it in the podcast, and yeah. I don't, so it, I'm looking at the only option to be able to keep doing things with it, it in on the podcast is to uh, not do royalty share, but to completely buy it out, and, and, I 
rather do that because then the artist gets paid like up front, yes. which I think is more fair. Uh, it's just very expensive. So yeah. um, it's not something I'm going to be able to do soon. Um, well, I don't know. That's why I want to try Kickstarter because Kickstarter, maybe, yeah. maybe like the audiobook could be like a stretch goal or something. I don't know. That's, and maybe that's what I'm kind of thinking is I'm, I'm, uh, and, and I'm starting with the fact that uh, the story that I'm using on the, that I'm doing the Kickstarter for is a novella. So it's a shorter tale. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking of having that as one of the stretch goals is like, okay, if we hit X amount of money, then, you know, people will get the audiobook version of this as well as whatever they um, signed up for. So, or whatever they backed. Yeah. But that's, that's, you know, that's because everything is part of like a giant series. Yes. I wouldn't be able to do like just one, like, or I'd have to lock somebody in and like, have other kickstarters i i it i this is a down the road kind of a <laughs> yes. situation i i first need to like try kickstarter and see like you know because yeah. it's not easy putting together a campaign like you oh, know yeah. when especially one that will do well um yeah. and by do well i mean just at least fund <laughs> yeah that's the floor that's the floor like it needs to at least fund otherwise you know nothing gets nothing happens nothing gets yeah. made nobody gets charged so um yeah it's it's i'm just i'm trying to figure it all out same same here that's why i'm i'm uh i've been reading as much as i can and seeing what other people are doing with their kickstarters just so that it, you know when i do um do mine that uh it will it will fund hopefully yeah. i think it will i think you know based off of you know the research and everything that I've done right that, you know people will get the stuff that they want all that kind of stuff so I'm I'm excited to do it um and if it do goes really well then I'm like okay then I can expand and figure out other things to do and how to build on that but it's it's that first one <laughs> that's it that's it you got to get over that first one so um to be continued on that because exactly. <laughs> we we're nowhere near ready to announce that or, or share anything about that except that it's something on the horizon that we're working we're working on yeah i will have i've decided i i want to have mine launch on september 15th that is my goal mm -hmm. um we will see um i'm i'm almost at the point of uh um of saying, okay, you know, doing the pre-launch and saying, okay, it is September 15th, but um, once again, because this is my first one, I don't know how, you know, all the back-end stuff. I've got to be sure of the back-end stuff before. Yeah, that's what I'm working on. Like, yeah. you know, getting the 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 new covers, getting the new, getting the uh, dust jackets, because I don't have dust jackets for yeah. anything at, at all, because, you know, it's you know, Amazon doesn't offer dust jackets. So I never got, I never got, I never got the dust jacket for any of the, so going back and trying to get dust covers, especially some of the designers that have worked on the series, they're not designing anymore. So exactly. um, not going to buy, this is not a recover thing for everything, <laughs> just certain things, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a thing um, that I'm figuring out. So it's like you, like I need to have, 
I, I when it when the when I want to be all set up so when the Kickstarter ends and and the funds are collected and the surveys come back, I can just send, so, yeah. just immediately start deploying rewards. Mm -hmm. Immediate, like everything is written. Like for me, as because I've I've backed a bunch of campaigns on on Kickstarter, and I want to be the kind of person that when I do uh, a Kickstarter, that anyone who backs me, as soon as I fund, as soon as the Same. campaign ends, they'll start getting the stuff almost immediately. Um, they won't have that's, to wait. That's it, because like I I've, I've I've backed a few campaigns where like it have ended now like um one of them like a month or so ago, about a, about a month ago and like the last update was that they've been working a lot they haven't been able to get the stuff finished and it's like i don't want to be that person it's 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 the first kickstarter that i'm doing i don't want to be that person yeah. i want to be able to immediately send everything out through book funnel for the digital stuff put in the orders with book vault for the physical stuff so that it within like within like uh I think it's about three or four weeks from when it ends. Like you'll, the physical book will be like in your mailbox. Exactly. Yeah. And that's only because like the printer itself takes, you know, like that about three to four weeks. Yeah. It, it takes about like, like five to nine days to print it. Cause you go into yeah. a queue and then uh, it's, it's about two weeks uh, for us in the U S cause the printer is yeah. in the UK. It's about two weeks for me to get a copy. Like people who are in the UK or in Europe might, We'll probably get it sooner um yeah. but and if you're elsewhere in the world i'm not entirely sure but uh how that how long it'll take for you to get it but um and i want to track everything i know that track shipping is a little more expensive but i need to know yeah. that the book babies made it to their destination exactly. no, <laughs> you I, know I, there have been a few uh kickstarters that i've backed where like i trust that i'm gonna get the stuff from them but the the kickstarter person has has said okay i'm not putting tracking on this because it costs more money and i'm like mm. i'm like i would have paid more money for the tracking yeah yeah so i like that is something that's also like you know thinking about shipping and everything when i am you know figuring out what the shipping is for what shipping i'm going to charge i'm going to say okay i got to figure out how much tracking is going to be because i know for my peace of mind i want to make sure that yeah babies get there that's also, i've been he's backing it Yep, I've been doing all the pricing as including the tracking uh, yeah. and trying to build in to the tier as much shipping as possible. So if there if there has to be an extra so that like if people are like in, in some, you know, in Australia or somewhere else that they're mm -hmm. only paying a small fee above that if there's anything extra um, and because and, and I want everyone's to be tracked so that I know that the book gets to it, even if it's a little more expensive, because I need to know that my baby reached you that you are yeah. that that when it was sent out that you received it it is in your hands i i need that yeah. <laughs> like, or, or if there's a if there's a problem i can say you know this is what i'm seeing on my end um because i know for 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 myself the post office where we're where i'm at notoriously bad like i actually had a, a kickstarter um they sent me the stuff that i that i backed the the tier that i backed and my post office dropped it off at someone else's house. And this was actually a, a more expensive uh, Kickstarter that I'd backed. Um, and it was coming from Australia. And so I was, I got the package, but I saw a note on there. It's like, this is not the right address. The address that's on this bag is the right address. You need to take it to this person's house. Like they wrote a note to the post office and then it came to my house. 
but I'm just like, okay. Oh, in in case there are people who back my my Kickstarter who have post office locations like my own that don't really do a good job of uh, sending the mail to where it's supposed to be, I want to be able to say, okay, here on my track on my tracking thing, this is where it says it's, it's supposed to be, and if it's the post office that that messed up, um, I can say go talk to the post office, go yell at them. I've done that plenty of times. Like I said, the, the post office where I, where I live, they, they tend to mess up stuff a lot, especially international orders. Um, but then I can tell the person, okay, you know, this is where, this is where the hangup may have been. So yeah. Yeah. My, my personal, like I want yeah. my level of, of um, like, like quality for the customer. Yeah, like it, if you don't track it, then you don't know. Like, because somebody could be like, "Hey, I didn't get it yet," and you can check the track and be like, "Oh, you know, the the shipping is taking a little longer than normal, but I see that it's actually heading to you." Instead of if it's not tracked, you just have no information. Exactly. I, and I get it. People want to save money. They want to maximize their profit. Like, I just I want to make sure that things get where they're supposed to go. Exactly. Because the the other thing is, I know that there have been a few Kickstarters where I I've backed multiple kickstarters from the same person or same company because i realize um uh that they are actually a quality uh company or quality um i don't say individual but like i know that if i back their kickstarter i will get the products that i that i want and so what i would love absolutely love is i do a kickstarter someone's like i had a, a great experience backing their stuff i love their stuff and and now I have a new fan or super fan. Yeah. As opposed to someone who's like, oh, well, I like their stuff, but I had a crappy experience with Kickstarter, so I'm not going to buy anything from them. Yeah, there were some horror stories about doing the personalization through Ingram and like it, the wrong oh, yeah. personalization going to the wrong person and, and trying to sort that out. Like Ingram Spark scares me sometimes. That's why I'm <laughs> using Book Vault. Yeah, I'm, now that Book Vault has started to have like U.S. stuff, like not for dust like, jackets. <laughs> not for dust jackets? Okay. Not for my book size, which is nine by six because it's an omnibus. So I need mm -hmm. I need all the space I can get. Uh they don't have it there. I don't all my books are nine by six, so I don't they might I don't know if they don't have dust jackets, period. Um, mm -hmm. or if it's just for that size. Um but yeah, all of mine say they're still gonna be printed in the UK. So okay. but yeah, I'm it I'm is what it is. Curious, like I'm I'm like you know I would rather deal with Amazon than than Ingram Spark because of yeah. all the horror stories I've heard. But I I may have to look into Book Vault because now especially that they they have printers in the U.S. Um, I'm hoping that like with a simple order that that wouldn't be too much of an issue. I've never had an issue. I've ordered four books from Book Vault and they were printed in the U.K. shipped over. I got them. I put the order in. And it's about three weeks from when I put the order and I got it. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check them out because yeah, that's and they're beautiful. I'll have to yeah. Okay. That then that that kind of seal steel I have to And that's I, that's that's why I want to use them for the Kickstarter because they're just they're really beautiful. Like I mean they're not it's not leather, they're not like uh, you know, sprayed edges or anything, but the colors are really rich mm -hmm. and the paper feels nice and like it feels very sturdy, the hardcover. Um oh, that's nice. And yeah. so like 
you know, and for if it's in for an omnibus, which is going to be 800 to 900 pages, because I refuse to make the font super tiny and I refuse to make the line spacing between lot, you know, the lines on the page to be super like tiny. Yeah. I there's space. The text can breathe. It's easy on the eyes. Yeah, I don't want to squash it everything in and make it impossible to read. I actually want people to read it. So, um, yeah. you know, I wanted something sturdy. And this is. Uh, it's not super heavy either, which, like, I was happy about. I was a little bit afraid. I was like, this is kind of long. But it, it's three It's three books. So, and it's about, um, like, 300, almost 400,000 words mm-hmm. in it. So, I mean, that's not an insignificant chunk of text. <laughs> Yeah. But um, yeah, so that, that's all to be continued. Um, not ready to reveal any of the images for it or anything. I'm still figuring this all out, um, yeah. getting everything set up. Um, and yeah, that's all the spoilers you get, folks, today. <laughs> this has been Nancy, Laura, and more. I'm your host, Melinda Cusera. And today we were talking to Laura Nelson about the heir of Spartan. All the links will be in the description or the show notes, depending on where you're watching this. Have a great day or a great night. Also, depending on where you're listening or watching, (laughs) we'll see you in the next episode with another fantasy author and another book.